Hey, this is Masonic Muscle, and this will be another exercise in speculation and critical thinking. Today's guest is the creator of the Leadership to Wealth podcast, Neil D'Souza. Neil is a licensed mortgage agent in Ontario, Canada, who specializes in secured lending and real estate investments. He's been in the investment world for over a decade, starting with income properties and precious metals, currently showing small through large investors alike how to beat the bank. And, not, and earn secure contracted returns through private lending in up, down, and sideways markets, as well as multi-unit real estate. He owns several active and holding companies as well. He is the host of the pandemic-driven show, like I just said, the Leadership to Wealth podcast. And I guess I can say this is pandemic-driven as well. We had a lot of time to think about a lot of things, right? And so all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I got something to say. What the hell? So here we are neil welcome to the show thank you thank you so much cesar i really appreciate you having me on the show hey well i was recently on, on neil's show it was a great experience i i was uh not only uh honored you know people say oh, i'm honored no i was and the uh if you haven't listened to it i will post it on on my podcast stream as but it's posted already on youtube on his is your is your youtube channel is the same the the leadership to wealth the leadership to wealth podcast. Yeah. And how, how has that been doing on YouTube, Neil, for you? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a, any overnight success with that. Um, but I would say that for me, it's been a huge success. Uh, it's been a huge success because I've learned a, a ton about myself and then B I started connecting with some really amazing people. Um, and, uh, being able to, you know, like the conversation that we had, right. Some of the things that come out of that, it, it's not just about the person that you interview. I'm learning through that process. I'm, I'm literally asking myself, uh, through that process, how would I deal with that? How do I feel about that? Have I been through that? How do I grow through that, through through your experiences right and so um you know from that perspective it's been nothing short of gold i was looking through and anybody who decides to look through the episodes and the titles and the guests that neil has had on his show you see that there are uh, people in the money people in real estate people mm -hmm. investors uh people that know about money so the the twist that neil is is beginning to take on his podcast is that he's really beginning to to dive into the the inner wealth right because there's financial wealth economic wealth but the the wealth of connecting with people that is gold that is something that a lot of us are missing and that's what began to happen with the pandemic with the shelter at home we began to feel the isolation and so how do we it's like something inner right calls out and says how do i connect how do i how how do i begin to reach out and connect because you know every everywhere around us, they're telling us no, you know, and, and, and if you do see yourself, put on your mask, distance yourself and uh, run away. If you see somebody run away. So all of a sudden, Neil is taking a, a different approach to the interviews that he's doing now. But I will, I will ask you this because I listened to several of those podcasts. What are some of the important key things that you have learned from talking to these guests? Oh my that you goodness. can share now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 
let me start by saying so last year when I started the show and I was interviewing almost exclusively multimillionaires and and I was learning mindset their mindset and I was learning the mindset of some of the multi multi-millionaires that I had on the show and and looking at where my mindset was and uh, realizing oh my goodness I there, there's just a whole nother level of creativity available to me and um and then and then I you know I kind of got to a point in this year as I've been transitioning what I've really been getting from the from the interviews is I'm going to say humanity um because we've gotten a lot more into people's stories the real life, what's going on, what they've, some of the ups and downs, uh, not just, not just financial secrets, but really mentality, uh, above all, like, like when we did our interview and you were talking about, um, you know, growing up as a kid and your dad just saying, you know, you, if you're going to take it, that's all right, but you better give it, you better give it back. And it was just, uh, I was like, it reinforced something in me of, uh, you know, that never, never give up, never surrender mindset. And uh, it inspired me. And I was like, yeah, that, that's right. And so from then till now, the number of ups and downs that I've had in my days and being able to take from that, from that, just that one interview, being able to take you know what? I'm not going down without a fight. Let's go. Let's go. And and it's just a beautiful reminder. So those are just some of the things that uh, I've gotten out of out of that. It reinforces for anybody who even knows about Dan Pena. I think he's a trillion dollar man now. It reinforces a lot of what he says. And that is that high performance people, they all exhibit when you begin to uh, look for them and then you begin to study them and watch them and observe them they all begin to exhibit certain high performance traits all of them through across the board and they and, and neil is right they don't think like us but just because they don't think like us doesn't mean that we can't think like them because they also started most of them a lot of them started not, not as millionaires or billionaires they started just like you and me so somewhere along the line something clicked and they began to adopt new a uh, new paradigm and that new paradigm helped launch their success so that when you begin to follow that you also see that it goes into the into the sport world the same high performance traits they think the same they have the same uh you know drive they're not going to stop they're going to keep going they're going to keep driving until they attain what they got they went there to attain and and then keep going and keep going it becomes like a drug but a good drug you know so well if i could say something about that uh, there's a um there's a quote by michael jordan where he talks through all the number of uh game shots that he has missed the the number of playoff games that he's missed the the game winning shot the number of championship times that he's missed the shot and he said throughout my life 
I have failed over and over and over and over again. And that's why I succeed. And that him talking about that is probably one of the things along the, uh, the lines in throughout my life that really taught me to just love failure, love taking that shot, that next shot um, and, and fall in love with that aspect because the, the success uh, breeds itself. Once you finally embrace failure, because that's where a lot of people get stuck. They get stuck because we've been taught yeah. through the schooling system. You know, this, our schooling system is flawed and we're taught failure is a bad thing. But in reality, when you go out and reach out and you begin to study this high performance people, whether they be athletes, whether they be investors or wherever you, they may be in whatever category of life, somewhere along the line, failure stopped being failure to them. And so when you realize that it just, you know, it, it adds rocket fuel to your, to whatever vehicle that you're in driving in the direction that you're in to get to where you need to be because failure is no longer a, an obstacle. Failure is just, Oh, now I know that that doesn't work. I got to keep going though. I got to keep driving forward. So how do yeah. you apply this, Neil? How do you apply this now? Cause I know you're a family man to your family. How do you apply this, you know, this uh, strategy? Uh, the, this idea of uh, fail, failing to success? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I have, my kids hear this from me continually. Um, you know, you, oh, you made a mistake. That's awesome. It's great. Let, you know, what did you learn? And, um, you know, they never really like it. <laughs> They never like it when I say that, um, because of course they are, they're dealing with, oh, I did something wrong. And, you know, and I am obsessive about if you tried something and you, you failed at it, that's awesome. Did you actually try? Did you actually try? Okay, great. That's, that's fantastic. And, um, they always stop, look at me. Try, try to process what I've just said. And then, and then they kind of move on. And uh, I know that that may not fully resonate with them right now. Right. It, it's, but for me, it's that same repetition, keep it going so that at some point, that's the voice they hear in their head when they fail over and over again you know, that, okay, did I learn something? Great. Let's move forward. Did I fail? Great. Did I learn something? Great. Let's move forward again. And, and that's honestly, that's how I keep, <laughs> how I do it is I keep trying to give them the opportunities to fail and, and then try and reinforce it over and over again. And, and how, how old are your kids right now? Are they still in school? Uh, yes. So my oldest is, uh, turning 18 later this year and my youngest is 12 and uh i've got four kids um and so oh they're all they're all in those teenage years now uh, the reason why i ask that is because we when we're trying to teach our kids something what we're up against what we fail to realize because we're caught up in our culture and in our system that that we're in is that the schooling system has our children for eight eight hours sometimes longer so they have that indoctrination I mean, so now all of a sudden, when we have them for the brief time that we have them, 
at the end of the day and we're trying to teach them something and, and is going against the eight hours or 10 hours of indoctrination, it's hard to break through. And, and yeah. not until they have enough experience does it finally crack, you know, and it, yeah. and it sinks in and they're like, oh, that's what dad was trying to say. No yeah. wonder, it, right? It really helps that um, I get to share with them on it. Actually, right now, through all of this, we're all finding ourselves home more often, right? And uh, they're they're not in school; they're doing school from home. So we get, I get to share failures through my day a lot more, and um, and I get to share with them what went wrong, <laughs> and they get to see how I handle it. They get to see me upset. They get to see me work through it. They get they get all of that. And, um, you know, I've even taken to over the past year to share a lot more of that with on social media. Um, I've come to realize that there's power in just putting that out there more often. Uh, something else messed up and uh, share that and then share the uh, the way through. So, yeah, I get I a think lot more of it. We're and. All of our children are, are experiencing that. The ones that decided, uh, even after schools supposedly were open, that decided to stay at home and, and do the uh, distance learning. Yeah, they're sitting around watching mom and dad, you know, longer for longer periods of time. So now everybody's got to watch what they're doing. But for me, I've been having, I mean, a, a great time uh, talking more with my kids and, and uh, you know, getting up in their stuff even more and and so you have that opportunity now to break through even more. It's, it's, it's easier now than versus before. So we're going to be talking about finances, fitness, fighting in faith. Finances later. That's going to be the, the culmination of this whole thing right here. Let's talk about fitness. How everybody got sheltered in place. How did you manage to stay fit during this pandemic? Mm, great question. In fact, I did almost nothing with <laughs> fitness when we got hit. Um, and, uh, and I just, I just got into everything else. I was first, I was like, okay, well, I already worked from home. So there was nothing, uh, there wasn't really an adjustment period for me. And I kind of expected something along these lines. Um, and uh, so I didn't really mind it that much initially. But what I found was I was sitting at my desk. I was sitting at home more and more. And now all of a sudden I've got disruptions in my day. Kids are here. I'm eating more and I'm starting to put on weight. I'm not out exercising. Uh, <laughs> summer comes along. We're not going anywhere because we're on lockdown. And so uh, it wasn't until the end of last year that uh, I realized that okay, all of my schedules were all out of whack because now the kids are around and in, in school, out of school. Each time they would go back to school, I would start to reinstate my, my uh, practices and, and then they would shut down again and they'd be back home. And those would go out the window. Until finally, at the end of the year, I, someone asked me what I was committed to with regards to my kids and that actually changed a lot of a lot of things because i realized i'm actually committed to uh being their friend 
being their father, but friendship, connection, and fun. I realized that so much of our, uh, of my time with being their father, I was, I guess I've been kind of a mean individual. I've been strong, firm. I don't know if mean is the right word, but, but I've definitely been firm with them. And I noticed that what was missing was an aspect of friendship and fun. And, and I thought, why am I trying to do this alone? Hey guys, let's do this together. Mm. And um, they were like, oh, I don't know. And, and I said, all right, here's what we're doing. And then we just started working out every day. And we, and you know, I've got a, I'm a, I'm competitive. So we put together a spreadsheet and put everyone's name down, put down what we were doing and all right, let's go. Because I'm all about tracking. Let's do it. Some people don't like to track. I'm like, no, I want to see what I'm doing. I want to see myself getting better and, you know, and let's get some competitiveness going. And so we were doing that every day. And uh, then we started, we were just exercising every day and, you know, we started making bets on it. We started doing all sorts of things. So that, so that's what we started doing to get fit in the pandemic. I wish uh, more families would have done that because we would not be in the situation that we are right now. Because if you, one of the things that's not happening right now, and since this pandemic has started, because a lot of the news is fear driven, it is panic driven. It, it is not, it is not conducive to allowing us to focus and use our critical thinking skills and ask, you know, good questions about hey, this and that. What about our body? What if our immune system? What? If, hey, wait a minute. You know, people are getting this thing, but they're just having mild symptoms. Doesn't that mean? that your immune system did what it was made to do, which was, you know, fend this thing off and now has created antibody. But what are the things that we could have done immediately was begin to take accountability for our fitness, uh, taking more vitamins, taking in better foods, and just help to strengthen our immune systems so that in the, in the eventuality that we do get contaminated, we, our bodies are ready body, mm-hmm. mind, and soul, we're ready, right? And, and if more yeah. people had done what you did, because we did the same, but we were, I was already working out with my buddy uh, for almost a year before that, leading up to that. And when the shutdown happened, um, right away, my friend said, hey, man, are, are we going to keep working out? And I'm like, fuck, yeah, we are. What are you talking about? You know, that's, we got to fight this on our own terms. On our, There it is again, right? Fight. There I go fighting again. We, we got to fight this thing and meet this thing head on from whether you're scared or not whether i'm scared or not we got to meet this thing head on and that's what we did and i wish more people would have done that we invited more friends uh, more family it started getting bigger but uh, you know people started getting jobs things started opening up and the 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 circle would fluctuate it would get bigger get smaller but so that's how you did fitness what about fighting what's the deal with you and fighting what's (laughs) happening there you know what's what's Um, going on well, I, I think you and I had talked a little bit about it on my show where yeah. you talked about, you know, growing up with fighting. And uh, I realized that for me, growing up, fighting was on the inside. I was always, and, and even to this day, fighting is still on the inside. Every single day, fighting in my, I, I fight with myself on some level, some shape, some way, some form. And, um, and I've come to love the fight. Uh, you, you know, at one point it was, uh, I've, as I've gone through my life, I've realized there are times when you, you're fighting with your family. 
I've, I've no control over, um, you know, my parents and what they're doing. I'm a kid at that point in time. And my dad was an alcoholic and, uh, we were, I was scared most days of my life at home. And, um, and back in those days, uh, racism was a lot more prevalent. Um, and so I was, I was scared most days in school. Um, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and, um, and I was afraid most days on the playground. And so, you know, fighting took a different shape. It, it usually meant trying to avoid and stay out of, uh, away from people's crosshairs um in in those early days until i became a teenager and then testosterone kicked in and then fighting became a thing of uh i thought it was respect to be honest with you uh it it became a thing of respect only to realize that i actually turned around and became the bully and um i took because now people were afraid of me and i liked that that was like a drug um and uh, something really interesting came along. And this is why I, I mentioned about fighting. Something interesting came along. It's called the UFC. <laughs> and they came along and in 91, I believe. And um, it was this thing of people, all different types of martial arts coming together and fighting each other. And you got to see who actually knew their stuff. And it was exciting to me. It, I almost took it on because, you know, I'd grown up with with uh, mantras from Bruce Lee and, mm-hmm. you know, from Kung Fu, all these different styles talking about discipline. But then along came UFC and it was you could actually test yourself. Now, I never got into mixed martial arts, but I started studying different martial arts and it really put the emphasis on me to to learn what can you do? Right. And I stopped worrying about other people and what they could do and uh, really started focusing on what I could do. I mean, I was still causing trouble for a while, but we can talk about that later. Well, a key thing. Actually, can I just say one other thing about that? Yes. One other thing about fighting for me is there's always the element of the battle in our mind. Every time I watch fights, the physical aspect is is low is a low level it's a chess match it's a he does this you do what you want to give up and where do you dig what do you find in yourself and watching these guys come back from that um that's you know i always watch remember a fight between uh robbie lawler and rory mcdonald and uh they both were bleeding, split up, all this kind of stuff. Either man could have quit at any moment. And I think uh, Rory McDonald had his nose broken in the third round. And in the fifth round, he's, you know, he's still fighting with a broken nose. And um, every time he gets hit, he's still going. And then finally, he, he just gave in. He couldn't do it anymore. And he lost the title. And he's never gotten back to that level ever since but there's something to me about watching a man dig deep in those in those dire moments and you go my life is not that tough (laughs) you know and what can i find from inside me that's fighting to me i think the inner the uh, key there is what you said 
you know, to start it and then right now attend. And that's the inner battle because we're all fighting the inner battle. Even the bullies at school, they were going through something internally. That's why they they were just acting out. They were just, and they and somehow at the at the very basic, like uh, animalistic level, they understood that they were bigger than us, and, and they and this this would be a deterrent to most everybody until they got faced with the with someone that actually met them head on, right, and challenged them, and then all of a sudden, you know, the curtain had been pulled. But it's the internal battle with everybody. That's that's really where it's at. It's it's not a physical, even today waking up. What are you thinking? You're thinking of all the things that may or may not happen until you learn to discipline yourself to eliminate those thoughts. Because 99% of the time, none of that ever happened. None of that. But there was all kinds of scenarios that you had in your mind. What if this? What if that? What if they call me? What would they say this? And, you know, what am I going to do? And it, but none of it ever happened. So it's the internal battle. And that's a very good point. Because when you watch UFC, which I like watching boxing, I like watching. That's what that's what's happening, right? Because some of these guys receive some like incredible blows to the body, to the head, and they keep going. That's their training. Their their training kicked in. They just keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, despite the danger of getting hit again and again and again. So the internal somehow they they were able to control the internal dialogue. And, and now it's blank. It's kind of like blank. You're just in the zone and you're just fighting. So the internal and the external world aren't something they're not congruent most of the times. So oh, never. Yeah. 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 <laughs> never. Almost, almost always. Right. And what does Dan Pena says? Uh, he's always saying that uh, conventional wisdom is almost always wrong. And, and uh, the outside, you, you have to control the inside before you begin to control the outside. So absolutely. Yeah. You, you your, your circumstances will fall in line. They will fall in line with what's going on inside. You, you know, um, if I could just say this uh, about all uh, what we're talking and what we're creating here is that I have said this to people and I'm going to say it right now for most people um, with COVID it's happening to them. And I asked the question, is COVID happening to you or for you? <laughs> right? right. And and when it came along, I, I looked at it and I said, COVID is happening for me. This is my opportunity. And because there's going to be a whole and everything that's still going on right now. Everyone is in this context. They're powerless. I don't know the government, this and these people that and the school, this and masks that. And I'm like, this is the greatest opportunity easily of the last decade, if not the last 30, 40 years. This is easily the greatest time because every, you can look around and you can watch everybody sitting around doing nothing. And with that, let's get into something that's connected to that because those people okay. have no faith. They don't have any faith in anything, mm. let alone a higher power, right? And they're, they're giving up their power. They're giving up their authority to make decisions and to take control, to take advantage of the situation, like you're saying. And this is, the, you know, one of the greatest opportunities that we have seen probably in the last 50 years. And in Freemasonry, there is faith. In Freemasonry, uh, 
uh, they will take you in if you get, you know, if you go and apply and, and get to know the brethren at, the, at, the, at that local lodge and they give you an application. You go through this whole process. But one of the things that they that Freemasonry doesn't impose on you is a belief in any particular religion, their faith. Right. Just a belief in a supreme being. And there's no talks of politics other than the internal politics. But we don't bring politics to the inside of the lodge when the lodge is open we call it the lodge proper when we're open and in session we don't begin a de debate about politics we don't begin a debate about faith but faith is something very important within a masonic lodge within the life of a mason what about with you faith you know where is that well, at with you where are you at with faith um well i i would obviously say there's there's uh different levels of faith i mean uh, obviously I am, uh, you know, I'm a spiritual man. I believe in God and I 100%, um, look at life with, with the mindset, with the faith that God is working all of it for me, you know, rather than all of this stuff happening to me. And, um, and so, with that mindset, it allows me to, to look for the insights. What, what's there for me to learn? What's there for me to grow? Um, how is this shaping me? And, um, and, and I, I'll tell people, whether you have uh, a faith in God or not, you have to have faith in this life to survive. You have to have faith in something. I, even for people who say they don't have any faith, I'm like, that does, that's not true. Because when you go down the road, you drive down the road, there's a white line and <laughs> you have faith that the person in the vehicle on the other side is going to stay on that side of the white line. This is true. Right? This is and true. Uh, how is that faith developed? Well, over time, it keeps happening over and over again. And you're like, oh, okay, this is what, what will occur. And so it makes sense to most people. And, and I say there are even higher levels to that um, when you get into uh, the spiritual the spiritual beliefs and spiritual realm, if you believe in God. And, you know, to me, I look at my life and there's so many instances um, to have faith um, that I, I, can't, I can't dispute it. Yeah, you, it gets to the point where you can't ignore it any longer and you begin to either work with it, right, and congruent with that energy and go with the energy or... You continue to swim upstream and you're struggling, you know, and you just continue to fight it. Or for, I don't know. I've seen it done before uh, by other people and it, it's a struggle for them and things begin to happen to them instead of for them. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I don't know if they've ever, you know, something's clicked or, or uh, something changed their perspective, but I saw the struggle myself and you're like, man, well, you know, and then there's nothing you can tell those, those people. There's, they're, they're stuck in, not only are they stuck in that uh, mentality, but that within that mentality, there's a lot of other things that they're stuck in. So until they mm -hmm. break out of it, then they, they cannot understand, right, that, that this whole thing is energy and, it's, and you got to somehow tap into it. And somehow faith mm -hmm. is a big part of that tapping into process, having faith, yeah. whatever that may be. You may yeah. have faith in something that I don't even know about, but you have faith in that. That helps you 
stay on on path yeah. and it it keeps you in check right yourself because that that faith whenever you whatever um industry you're involved in as long as you're fair firm and consistent as long as it's legal moral and ethical then things things should continue to go well for you but when you start going against that you know where's your faith at like what do you have faith in i mean geez yeah. so a lot of people listening and maybe i should have prefaced this at the very beginning that are listening to this particular interview you're probably wondering like well what the hell where's the, the masonry in this right where's the freemasonry maybe even yourself and i think we're going to do a pretty nice we're going to do a pretty cool exercise right now neil and you're going to help me all right okay i'm going to read something right now that'll help get us into the right frame of mind all right so how does money you know fit into this right oh. well so here it is we as freemasons are taught the story of king solomon's temple and the planning and coordination it took to get it done in seven years what we are not taught is how much money it took to build this temple and how king solomon is said to have been the richest man to have ever lived that all comes down to money so we are going to be talking about money and some of the concepts connected to it so that happened thousands of years ago some people believe that king solomon existed some people believe that they don't that it was a metaphor that it's allegorical right the point is though what they talk about riches they talk about money and and anything that has to do with money history has repeated itself over and over and over again you being in real estate you being you know with investments and just hearing just a little bit about that story now right king solomon building the temple it took ten, seven years um what what would you what would your take be with your experience in finances and real estate like whoa you know all this coordination where are they getting the materials from what's happening how is all this going down and how much are we talking about in today's u.s dollars or canadian dollars what do you have to say about that uh neil just that, that little tidbit <laughs> that i just threw on you oh my goodness uh, um okay for, well let me let me just start by i have no idea how to equate it to today's valuation today's dollars because money was actually money back then things actually had uh, value now we have currency um these dollar bills are currency and so they aren't they aren't uh it's not even equally shared in terms of what the value of that is at one one point in time we uh the American dollar was backed against gold. And so you could give it some sort of value. Now you can't even do that. If they want to, they print more, right? You get to print, your government prints more. And uh, and here in Canada, we do the same. If if we want to, we print more. So I can't give it a valuation that way. Um, I don't even think it's worth it to try, to try to go down that road. But what I can say is about that undertaking, um, I would say a couple of things and let's see where this experiment goes. Number one, his father, David, had been working long before to prepare the things, uh, to prepare the supplies, to prepare the wealth so that that undertaking could even be 
could be done. I, I omitted that part, but yes, he was not allowed <laughs> because God said he was a man of war and had too much blood on his hands. Yeah, but his son yes. would King Solomon. So you're right. Yes. Yeah. So he had a he had a he had some resources, first of all, to be able to start that. Um, and then and then the other thing is is that um he uh people who are always hungry for money never seem to have enough. And um and Solomon was uh there's nothing there that gives you any sense that he was he was actually focused on trying to create money or generate the money. Instead, um, there's so much more there. And I guess we didn't really, you didn't really talk about it. So I don't know if I should talk about it, but he, he gets into so many things and he is, um, he's so open with so many people that with his wisdom that uh, rulers from other countries come just to be a part because they're amazed at uh, at what he's undertaking, and they literally want to be a part of it. And so I, I don't know what that says overall or <laughs> in the experiment well, that we're having. <laughs> well, so when King Solomon finally became king, his father passed away. And again, this is this is this is Old Testament. This is Jewish Christian later on when it became the Bible. And this is something that as Masons, I believe we're supposed to know. But we can talk about it. It's not a secret because we can open up our Old Testament and read about it. So what, what I do know is that when Solomon became king, he now had the ability to go before the Ark of the Covenant and speak to God, which happened only one time a year. When that happened and God appeared and God appeared, you know, if, if you guys don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, or you're trying to get a picture, uh, it's the one where they came out in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Something, something like that. And yeah. so the, where the angels, where their cherubim, where their wings would meet, that's where the Bible says that a cloud would appear. And that's where God would talk to you. And that's what King Solomon saw. And God asked him, whatever you want, I, I will give to you. And King Solomon said, wisdom wisdom to yeah. be able to rule over israel my people yeah. and god was so happy with this answer that not only did he give him wisdom but he gave him riches he gave him women he gave him lands he gave him dominion over his opponents yeah. everything else yeah. because all he wanted was wisdom uh, later on he kind of fell back because all the wives he had and he began yeah. to uh yeah worship other you know gods and and what yes. have you but that was that was, at the beginning that's what happened so through that wisdom he was able to carry out the plans that his father yes. king david placed for the king solomon's temple we call it king solomon's yes. temple so there was a lot of money involved there was a lot of transactions yeah. involved there was a lot of planning there was a lot of um, probably setbacks that's what that's what we don't hear about but they, mm, these, these endeavors took money, they took time, they took energy, they took uh, human lives, you know, because people were moving stones around, people were getting smashed. I mean, we don't hear about that, but that's what happens when, mm -hmm. you, when you make a building of that sort. Even today, nowadays, with the, all the technology and machinery that we have, accidents happen at work. And Absolutely. so, you know, people, people get uh, injured, people lose their lives sometimes. But this 
this experiment, what I'm trying to do here is we're talking about money right now because money, cryptocurrencies, all that, all, all of those things were happening back then. You might not call them cryptocurrencies, but they were dealing with currencies, gold, silver, and whatever else, cattle, whatever else they had value that they knew would add to my, with my value. King Solomon, I don't believe, could have paid everybody in gold and silver. There wasn't enough in the world. But yet, when the temple was finally built, we learned from researchers that they said that that, that temple acted as a place of worship, a place for people to go and uh, meet with the king and you know get uh, wisdom or, or negotiate with them, and also as the state treasury because there was so much gold in there. And there were so much gold-plated things that if they owed anybody any money, the doors would close. King Solomon would probably order one of his accountants to, hey, go, go, go cut out a piece of that door right there. And that equals what this man we owe. And then tell the uh, guys in the back to begin to melt gold so we can patch this up and nobody ever knows what we just did. And this is how we pay off debts you know we we zero out accounts so it 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 equaled a straight treasury as well so it, it functioned in three different ways and we have accounts throughout the ancient world that their ancient temples acted as the same state treasuries a place where you can go worship and a place where you would go and you can uh put your money in there because no one's going to go and desecrate you know the temple of god mm. All right. Yeah. So we're because we're talking about money again, you are in finance. Yeah. You are in real estate. You are in what goes in to all of this stuff to get it done. What would go into that? Like if they said, Hey, Neil, we want you, let's, you know, uh, uh, another experiment. We want you to build a, a new King Solomon's temple. And we're giving you these dimensions. Mm -hmm. What has to begin to go into, into that? Oh Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So obviously a lot of planning has to go in. Planning has to go in before you even ask the question of money. Um, you have to figure out what that undertaking is, what that's going to look like. Where is that even possible? Who would we need to have as part of that team to put it together? Um, and uh, And before you even go down that road, everyone has to agree on on why we're actually doing this you know good point this is important okay why is this important versus doing something else um and so if and you realize that if people whatever that why is the reason to do it people will come on board to that and then and then you go through the all of that uh process to actually make it happen raising money all of those things they all come from that initial, uh, why are we doing this? And is this a worthwhile endeavor? And then everything else falls into place from there. Let's just say that King Solomon didn't have all the money that was going to be needed to make this happen. Yeah. How you else, never need the money. How else could he have gotten it? Where could he have gotten it from? How, how could you, do you believe you could have like wheeled and dealed? with other nations with other kings what yeah, yeah. well 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 let me say first of all i i i never uh believe in 
uh, I never worry about the money in, in any situation. Uh, we're, we were talking about, you were asking me, I think at the beginning, how are you doing? And I said, doing great, having fun. And I was saying that because uh, this week I had uh, a deal and issues with money three separate times and something happens, someone was short some money, this person had a situation and money went somewhere else three different times and that put the deal in jeopardy. Um, But there was no point in worrying about money because the question was, the, the question really was, is this a worthwhile endeavor? What, what, what are we were doing? And lo and behold, the money shows up immediately. So with regards to uh, Solomon and what he was doing, was it, what was the worth of doing that? And I, and then from there, everything else kind of happens trading with other countries. They, they say everything is based on an agreement. Everything that we do is based off an agreement. And if you can change the terms of the agreement, you can, you can control the entire thing. Um, you can, once upon a time, uh, we all had an agreement that, um, I don't know, the world was flat. And, and uh, they, they, that agreement was so strong that if people tried to say something other than the world was flat or that the world was the center of the universe, then they would put you to death and burn you at the stake, burn you at the stake. And then things turned around and everyone, the agreement changed. Did anything actually change in the world? No, but the agreement changed to, Oh, the world is not flat. It's round. And, and as a result, everyone was like, Oh, okay, great. We can stop killing people now. Uh, we're, we're good with that. Now, apparently there's a movement that's trying to, convince people that the world is flat again but you know it all comes down to the agreement if if people agree on something then everything else follows whether it be countries whether it be their citizens whether it be the finances all of those kind of things money shows up to to those things based on the agreement that's a good point do you you know do you believe that they had that kind of concept even back then like hey we don't know where the money is going to come in but but as long as we agree how important this is, you know, the, the money will somehow show up or it'll somehow get done. Forget about the money. It'll somehow get done. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying before about faith. Um, you know, Solomon knew that, that God was for this endeavor. And so uh, he didn't need to be sure about, about how all that other stuff was going to show up. And, uh, and instead he moved forward anyways. There's, there's a, a concept that, you know, some people, they, they don't really think much of this, but I believe in very strongly. And it's, um, it's this idea of putting things into the listening of others. And uh, they're like, well, what does that mean? Well, when you, when you believe in something like, say, working out, and that you believe that, hey, this is going to, do this to my health and and you go to someone else and you say hey this is what i'm going to do i'm going to work out and i'm going to get stronger and they hear that and they go oh okay 
And then when you do it, they go, they learn to relate with you in that way. Mike said, I mean, um, sorry, uh, Caesar said um, that he was going to do this and he did it. And so anything you say from that point on, they go, well, I know Caesar, whenever he says this, this is what happens. And they learn to relate to you that way. Mm. And, and I think that um, when you believe in something, it's amazing how you speak like that. And people learn to relate to you that way. And so when Solomon, you know, whether you believe in God or not, Solomon went forward with that type of belief, with that type of faith, and put that into the listening of other people. And people came in line with that. They followed that because they saw the king acting upon his beliefs, acting upon his faith. And it's amazing how people will follow uh, what you do, right? You, you declare what it is you're going to do, and then you do it. It's amazing to watch as people will follow in those, in those footsteps. Good tie-in. A good tie-in because King Solomon, we're talking about, you know, one of the uh, patriarchs, right, of the Old Testament. We're talking about God. We're talking about faith. We're talking about money, Freemasonry. You know, I told you this is this is going to we're going to weave through all kinds of things. And we're it's a it's experiment It's still in, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's still in you know operation. It's still an experiment. But within Freemasonry, you can see how wide ranging these topics can be if done correctly, right? Because in Freemasonry, uh, you know, this is Masonic muscle, but, and, and mental muscle, and, and, you know, you're just increased knowledge. In Freemasonry, when you really sit down and think about it, you're, all Freemasons are technically in the process of building King Solomon's temple. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we becoming like almost experts on every aspect and theory of the building of King Solomon's temple, or even do a thought experiment like we just did right now, right? I'm, I'm putting something at your feet because you have expertise in the areas of real estate, in the areas of financing, of the areas of, of how, and, but, but beyond, you took it beyond that. You said money is a transcendent. It's not even, basically what you're saying is not even real. It's not, that's why you shouldn't focus on it. The money will come. It's, Really, what matters is why are we doing this? If we can get to the why, everything else will just begin to fall in place. And at the end, it'll get done. Yeah, there might be some balances like, okay, we still haven't paid the carpenters. And, you know, how are we going to pay the guys that were feeding all the stonemasons, you know, to build those temples during all that, all those years? We still don't know how we're going to do all that, but it's done. The, the temple is done. Seven years have passed. And we're all good. And we have our center of worship now. And, and, but the money, what, where, where'd it go? Uh, well, yeah. Where, where did it come from? We don't know. It just, it, it just did. So it's more the focus on the concentration. Yeah. So the, the experiment for today succeeded. We, we launched into a, what about this? What about that? And we discussed it. We kind of worked our way through it. Right. And then, what did it come down to? God, faith, you know, and a, and a, a reason, a real solid reason. Mm -hmm. So your solid reason going now to those reasons to starting a podcast is because you want to get the word out. 
You want to help people. You want to yeah. connect to people. So do I. Yeah. I want to yeah. do it in my own way. You want to do it in your own way. People might think that Freemasonry and money has no connection, but they're wrong. Within a Masonic Lodge, once you become a part of the leadership, you understand how are we going to pay for the bills? How are we going to pay for the light? How are we going to pay for the meal, the festive board that we want to put on? Where is all this? And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, man, I better know a little something about finance, a little bit of something about money and how our finances within the lodges are working. What are what are we invested in? How much are we getting uh, you know, rate of return per year? How you know what's our budget going to be like? So I will ask you. When it when you become a leader, do you think you become a more of effective leader when you have a better idea, better grasp of money and how it works and how to utilize it? That's a great question. I would say that if you become a leader, then you are going to find a way to lead in all those areas, including money. Like you can't, you can't be a, uh, a real leader, like an effective leader and lead people without getting into the areas of money. And um, because you have to look at what, what are people's needs? Right. Um, and, uh, and so if you, your question was, if you, can you just repeat your question? I want to make sure I answer this one. The question properly, is, I think it's important. To, you know, to become a leader and an effective leader, would you become an even better leader? Uh, if, if you knew, you know, the, the dynamics of money, mm. you know, how to better overall yeah. sense of it and then how yeah. to utilize it, how to utilize it better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let me say this. Um, you can you can be good with money and not be a a, a good, good leader. leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're a good leader, you will be good with money. You you will you will breach you uh, you will broach that topic and you will breach those doors and you'll figure that out because part of being a leader is identifying the areas that you that you fall short in or that you're weak in and and then moving going, what do I, how do I need to grow in that area? And money is absolutely one of those areas. As much as people may want to separate themselves from money, we, we live in a world where that, that uh, has that agreement, right? And so as a result, you have to learn the agreements of money. And that's just part and parcel. It doesn't have to consume you as a, as a person, but you have to understand the rules of that game. And, and it will make you better. And that's part of what your podcast was uh, focusing on, right? Uh, with yeah. uh, interviewing these uh, millionaires and uh, trying to get the word out for us to consume that information, to get, pick yeah. their minds as how, how are these men that are leaders, obviously, because they're leaders of corporations, right? Leaders of themselves, leaders yeah. of their lives. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, and that was really the key to it is that so many people think that it's about money. And uh, so the, the podcast is Leadership to Wealth. And because it's through the leadership that the wealth comes in all of these areas that we're talking about, family, fitness, <laughs> fighting, <laughs> faith, through all of these things, it really comes down to leading yourself first and 
those all those areas it's amazing how all those areas start breaking through you want you want to see um, a change in your family well start leading the way in your family change yourself you want to see yeah you want to see a change in your finances or in the area of money you start leading in that area taking leadership over yourself in that area fitness someone else cannot lift up the weights and you get stronger (laughs) Thank you. I don't care how many you. times you run a marathon. I'm not going to increase my lung capacity. Right. And it, and it sounds foolish to say that out loud, but it's that simple. And, and when you listen to some of those millionaires, you realize that they just took it on, that they were going to learn and they were going to actually do certain things. And they took on that leadership and, you know, and then it, and then it grew from there. Um, I've been mentioning Dan Pena a lot because there's a lot of resonance, you know, and one of the sayings that he has is that um, there are very few things that are, that are measured in life, but one of them is how much money you have in your bank account, you know, because all these other things, you really can't measure them, but everybody knows if you got a billion dollars in the bank, oh crap. And really what that, what that equals is, according to Dan Pena, is now you have more choices because you have more money you have more choices. You can go to places that you couldn't go to before. You can go to these restaurants. You can go do these things that you could not do. Or if someone gets ill, you can take care of them now Mm -hmm. the way you want to take care of them. So gaining more money, you know, accumulating more money gives you more choices, equaling more freedoms really right now. You're free to do this. You're free to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, and unfortunately, just like you said earlier, there is an agreement about money in our culture all around the world. You need money, currency to be able to survive. So mm-hmm. doesn't it behoove you to learn the rules of those, you know, contracts of those agreements so that you can know how to take advantage uh, in a good way, not take advantage of people stealing their money. No, take advantage of it. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be? Absolutely. With, without a doubt. I actually, I actually think that uh, money overall is a good thing. It, it's a, it really is a tool like any other. Someone realized, hey, there's a way to uh, store up energy that we, that we use. If, if we were still trading a cow for tomatoes, well, you can have bushels and bushels and bushels of tomatoes and to trade for that one cow he's not going to want all those tomatoes because he can't eat them fast enough. And so someone said, Hey, let's exchange this. You give me the cow. I'll give you these yellow shiny rocks. And, uh, and they started trading and said, all right, this will be a unit of measure to, we understand what it's worth. And you can give me a piece of it back later when you need some more tomatoes. And, and that actually is really valuable. Otherwise, you lose that energy. You can grow fields and fields of tomatoes. And if you can't get them out to people in time, it's, it's lost. That energy that you expended is lost. And so money is a way to be able to store that energy. And so absolutely, you have to learn that that's what it does and then learn all those other things off of money. I mean, you, you started speaking really, oh, man. You got me really warm and fuzzy that when you started talking about contracts and 
things like that. Well, because all of it is a contract and you broke it down earlier, um, even back in Solomon's time and even before then, because there were civilizations before Solomon's time, the Phoenicians and what have you. And I believe it was the Phoenicians who were the first true merchants. And because we wonder, like, where do we get the word bank? Like, why is it a bank? Well, because they say that when the Phoenicians being the sea kings of the time, would go and trade with you they would get their ship and they would go on and they would uh, dock it on a bank and trade right there and so that ah. bank became the word for our bank right? i love it i just learned something new thank yeah. you and Didn't know that yeah and uh you know on their sails to let you know that they, that was a trading ship you know that was going to go in on the banks of the shore they on their sails they had a you know a giant steer i think and it's a cow meaning they were, we're here to trade for cattle um you know just money and they would go on the bank of the shore and trade wow so Love uh it. and through there to finish my sentence to through there they understood that the that the power of the word right and so the power of the word they needed to write these words, use these words to put them down on paper and, and make contracts, make laws and then make contracts so they, the, the contract can be binding. And now we entered into trade and all these things happening way 2000 years ago. So this is there's nothing new under the sun, like King Solomon said, right? This is tried and true, tried and tested. And so, you know, is this is this strictly something to be talked about in your arena on your podcast is it is it should be talked about in a, in a masonic uh -huh. you know a podcast you know uh, talking about exercise and masonry or, or should we all be talking about this i think we should all be talking about this and learning about this absolutely absolutely i, I mean i talked about agreements earlier contracts you can say the same thing because we all have contracts and agreements even with ourselves mm. and uh if you read the fine print, that's where the, that's, you know, they say the devil is in the details, you know, the, the gold is in there too. And, <laughs> and in all areas, what agreements, what contracts do you have with yourself when it comes to working out? What kind of contracts, what kind of agreements do you have with yourself, with yourself over food, right? Over, over money, over all of these things. Yeah, right? How are you going to act with somebody? You know, how are you going to treat yeah. somebody? That's an agreement yeah. you have with yourself right now. I wouldn't. Yeah. And, you know, even when I worked in, uh, you, you know, what really surprised me? There's a lot of things that surprised me now when I was working in the prison. Yeah. And uh, one day I was out on the yard and, uh, you know, I was a yard cop. And I, I questioned an inmate and I asked them, hey, you know, what if that guy, what if that guy does something where you guys go beat him up? Because they have their own laws their own rules and the guy had like a gimp arm you know he was like he was born and the guy flat out said no nah, man we don't do that and what he says dude we don't we don't we don't beat up um like retarded i forgot what he said but it's something yeah. to do with the, the guy can't defend himself so they even have agreements that they will not cross the line on and i was like what it really yeah. threw me for a loop i'm like are you kidding me he's like no nah. I'm not going to do it. And this guy's all tatted up, you know, yeah. tats everywhere and just hardened criminal. Yeah. He's like, no. 
no so you're you're right about agreements you're right about contracts yeah i believe well, as talk about yes as as you know i i worked uh in a jail for a while as well and we were with the um i was with you know uh there were pedophiles and and these types in and so we actually had a jail within a jail and um and they had to keep them separate oh, yeah. from the from the general murderers. general I mean, population from yes. general population right because uh yeah even these even these men that had killed people had a moral compass and said you know what these guys are messing with kids that is not okay that is not allowed and their moral compass was that if they got a chance they would kill them they would try to end them yeah, yeah. they tried to kill them yeah so yeah it's, and that's universal i think that's uh all yeah. around the world i, I think that's yeah because even some of these murderers they still had families they still had kids right and so <laughs> these guys had found a way to get even more heinous than you know to do even worse things than these guys did right so <laughs> Yeah, you know, everyone's moral compass is is their own, and it's a bad it's a bad way for us to kind of judge one another. But um, but yes, you're right. Even in jail, they people yeah, are... that that was incredible. I, I never in I, that wasn't even in my mind to to think that that was going to happen. But so thank you for being a part of my experiment with uh, King Solomon and money and you know and uh, properties and and all that. So let's let's get back to you your podcast yourself your goals in these next three to five to seven years where, where do you where, you know what are you thinking about what are you looking like oh well uh as far as my goals i've got goals on a number of different levels um and uh interestingly actually this year i tried something different i decided to start out this year a little different every year i've always uh, at the beginning of the year i always set out my goals for that year um and and then the next year you know by and large i'm going to i would say at least half of those goals i would attain and and you move on you reassess those other ones that didn't happen and and you move on this year i actually tried something a little different i said all right i'm not going to do that instead i'm just going to focus on what i'm committed to today and and see how that moves me forward and um it's it's interesting because you know it it's i started out the year obviously a little distracted because i didn't have the same compass that i would normally have shoot for that goal okay but but what i got instead was every day i woke up and was asking myself am i am i being who i want to be every day i'm waking up and going am i actually being today who i want to be and um, and because I was I and the part of the reason was I was trying to focus on being uh, friendship, fun, connection with with my kids, with my family. Oh. I was trying to create something different. And I said, I I need to be ultra focused. And so every day this is what I'm going to be present to. And so um, <laughs> absolutely it, it became beautiful to the point that my wife started getting jealous. You're always doing all this stuff with the kids. Um, she could see the difference of that presence. And uh, that experiment, what that sh showed for me in terms of goals was when you become present to what you're committed to, 
it's amazing what you can get done. Hmm. It's amazing how the things that try to distract you, they're, they're not worth your time because you realize what you're actually committed to. Focus on what you're committed to and the other things kind of disappear. They, they just, no, which do I want? Do I want to, uh, do I want to go sleep with that woman or do I want to be a man of faith? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to be a man of faith and I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I want, I'm going to worry about today. You know, for tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Yeah. And, you know, and you, uh, and you focus that way. Now, having said that, I still have, I still have <laughs> some goals. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, uh, if we're, if we're breaking down physically, mm-hmm. um, I'm, so I now exercise has become a thing. Now I'm, I clearly need to start working on uh, diet on what I'm putting into the body. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, right. <laughs> right. So, uh, so one of the things that I'm working on is I want to, uh, cause I realized I was getting stronger. I'm actually not fitting into my clothes as much because I've actually put on some muscle mass, but I, I said, I need to start losing some weight now. And that really comes from diet as opposed to the exercise. So, um, so I'm, that's one of the things that I'm working towards to, to get down in weight, um, mm-hmm. and, and to really increase my health, uh, family continuing on with family. Continue, we've got our family goals. My wife and I have our own marriage goals. Um, and then, um, I, and then I have a couple of others financially. I'll, I'll share one. That's kind of an interesting one. Okay. Um, uh, because people may or may not uh, understand this. Well, years ago, I, I made a couple of goals and they were to have a hundred thousand dollar year to have a hundred thousand dollar month to have a hundred thousand dollar week and to have a hundred thousand dollar day. Uh, so I passed the first one then to have a hundred thousand dollar month. Well, now, when I when I say that, I should say this: I could get into flipping a property or something like that. You know, you you fix up a property, you resell it, you can immediately have a hundred thousand dollar day because, you know, you uh, you fix it up, you increase the value, you get paid um, all on one day. But I'm that goal is based on doing it without the physical work, meaning creating the systems, creating that the company, creating the process that builds it for me. And, um, and you realize that, and the real reason I did that was because you realize that you have a have, have to have a certain level of knowledge, awareness, experience, you have to be able to understand the game at a different level for each of those things to be able to happen, right? There's a certain level of knowledge that comes with being able to have a $100,000 month there's another level of knowledge to have a hundred thousand dollar week. And there's another level of knowledge to be able to have hundred thousand dollar days. Right. Um, And a lot of that has to do with, if you listen to multimillionaires, they learn to build systems and those systems are built not themselves, but they understand that there's this concept of who, not how, who do I need to bring together? to make this happen. Okay. How do I build this team? And so those are all things that I'm continually in the attainment of uh, learning to build a bigger team, 
to add more value, to build up more people because those other things happen in the process. And I think I, I uh, heard on your first interview, because um, I listened to it, I actually went to uh, episode one. You episode know, uh, one? Yeah. With Gary with, Hibbert? Uh, Gary, Gary Hibbert. And he talked about yeah. that. And he yeah. talked about, because I, I forgot what your question was exactly, but um, he began to break down how he has to build a certain system in order for him to attain that goal of whatever, yeah. a billion dollars, I think. I think he, mm -hmm. he says, I can do it, but I need this and this. And so he, he like, just like what you just said right now, I thought, that, and as I'm here, as I'm listening to it, I'm saying, well, that's the same thing in Freemasonry In Freemasonry, you, you, cause you went through certain levels, right. And we have three degrees of Masonry. And then if you want to go and get the 33rd degree, that's a whole different thing, but the three degrees, but each, each level builds on the other, the next and the next. Mm until you finally become a master mason right and it, and if we were operative then i would be able to to do all kinds of stuff with stone and sculptures and the, the arcs and you know now i'm able to increase my level of income because i'm more expertise i have all these pieces now that i can put together in order for me to become more valuable to the whole uh crew that i'm working with but there's there's levels and even within the lodge now in the leadership if that lodge wants to begin to have greater success it has to begin to do exactly what you just did what you just described it has to begin to to put all these systems together in order for for everybody to begin to have a better experience uh you, you know just a whole level of other uh things begin to happen but it's work that that initial right first is mental because you're talking mental but then you got to take action you got to begin That's to right. make the phone calls you got to begin to write out these plans you got to begin to put the people together you got to begin to uh make sure that, that that they see your vision that your vision is clear that you can articulate it and all these things that is not even in the real world it's it's in the air right it's these things are in the air it's not physical it's not where you keep going back to the not physical part just like money it's not real the agreement the agreement is not real it's just an agreement that you and i have and we it, can break it's it malleable it. yeah it's malleable you can you can mold it right and, yeah. and i i think something you, you as you're talking about uh if we talk about building something an actual physical structure you know you've got foremans you've got architects that People have to, part of what's there for each one of us is understanding what our skills are. And if you want to be a leader and you want to get up the ladder, so to say, you want to keep growing in your leadership, you have to be able to empower other people. And you have to be able to step away and stop making it about you. As a, as a father, I have my kids and I think, if I don't prepare certain things in advance, I can't expect my kids to do, do certain things. For instance, mm -hmm. when they were really young, you know what we did? We actually put their clothes out and they would have to, okay, <laughs> the clothes are out. At one point you have to actually help them into it, but then they start to put on their clothes and you know, this, and if each of them has it out and ready to go, then they go and they go ahead and do it themselves. And uh, lo and behold, you get into the van a whole lot quicker. Then, <laughs> if you hadn't done that, right, the next level up, 
you tell them, okay, you're, you're going to be getting your clothes, pick out your clothes and come down for breakfast and breakfast. Some of the stuff is ready on the table, right? And as you move along in different levels, if you're talking about building, someone has to be able to put the different resources in place and know where to get those resources and let the other people shine in what they do. And, and you have to be able to praise them. You've got to be able to say, hey, you did a great job. Man, you do amazing uh, finish work, a carpenter. That's amazing. I couldn't do that hmm. if I did that myself. But to build that team together, to have all of that, well, none of that happens if someone doesn't come ahead of them and do all of that planning, do all of those preparations and line it up so that the, so that they could come in and be them, their best selves and, uh, and then execute on that project. And it, what you're talking about is exactly what Freemasonry is. We're talking we, in, in our first, yeah. second and third degrees, we are given examples of what you're just saying. Maybe not like, you know, exactly like that, but the same concept. It's yeah. the same concept. And eventually, if you want to become the leader of the lodge, which would be the master, right? Or the president of, the, of that little chapter, then you have to have the awareness that you're talking about because there's yeah. no, because you're going to be in charge of men and you have to be able to see where their talents are, where their strengths and weaknesses and be able to put them in, you know, in the committee that they belong to, or this is your strength. They, you know, you're an accountant. Can you be the treasurer of our lodge? I mean, that's an obvious one, right? But the more you get exposed to working with people, the more you put yourself out there working with groups of people, the more you begin to understand leadership and what it is and what it isn't and how to effectively lead them. And uh, there's many books out there. There's many examples out there and also good examples and bad examples. And right now, Absolutely. I think in our countries with everything that's going on, there's a lot of bad examples of, uh, of real leadership, a lot of bad examples of uh, critical thinking, of real science, of being just forthcoming with whatever it is that's happening. And we need more of that. And the only way we're going to get that is to have the discussions, right? To have the discussions that you have on your podcast, even if they don't relate to the pandemic, even if they don't relate to our leaders that we're, that we're uh, constantly watching on TV, making one bad decision after another. It does, though, uh, connect with us on the individual level, leading ourselves so that we know what not to do, so that yeah. we know that, that, you know, that wasn't the way to go about it. Wouldn't it have just been better just to be honest with us? <laughs> And say, you know, whatever it was, whatever your experts, your real experts were telling us. And who is our real experts with us? It's us, right? It's, it's you. You're, you're, you take control of your life. You begin to lead your life. And you begin to go according to that. And as long as it's legal, moral, and ethical, you'll get to where you need to go. So, man, I'm, I wish you a, a much success in the future with, uh, I know you've got some, a bunch of more interviews coming in your podcast. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Much more ahead. I mean, we, um, really the podcast was started at, you know, I mentioned pandemic driven. It was really started because so many people were, I would say in a disempowered context. And, and I said, it's the greatest opportunity mm. that people have seen in a long time. And, they said, well, what would you do? 
this is social media. All right. <laughs> and I said, um, I said, you know, if you don't know what to do, if you don't have the money, start a podcast. And they were like, how do you do that? This is all on social. How do you do that? And I said, okay, <laughs> this is part of being a leader. I'm, I'm going to just start it. And, uh, and then I was like, well, what do I do? I don't even know what to name this thing. Yeah. And then someone said, what are you trying to do? I said, well, I'm trying to be a leader for these people so they can understand that this is a good way to make money. They were like, so you're trying to show them about leadership to what wealth? I was like, oh yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's a good name. Yeah. yeah yes. Let's do it. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, lots more to come. I really love providing the value, sharing that, sharing people's stories. Uh, I think there are so many things that are happening to us right now that are happening to us, and we are not equipped with how to face those challenges. We do not have, there, were, you're, there was a time that when you and I grew up where, you know, if you took a beating, you took a beating and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you might still end up being friends with that guy afterwards. Yeah. Actually, that guy, you might it be happened. better friends with that guy afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but now there's so many things we don't, uh, the youth especially, don't know how to look at that. They don't know how to handle the confusing thoughts that are in their head. They don't know how to handle when they're, uh, when they're sad, when they're mad. The, and we, we try to so hard nowadays to say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, you know. And then we get into pharmaceuticals, and I won't even get into all of that nonsense. But, um, but what, I heard um, there's a gentleman that wrote a book entitled um, it was entitled that uh, hard times make strong men, strong men make good times, uh, good times create soft men or weak men and weak men create hard times. And that was actually his title, this long title, wow. but it, it's just a reality of when things are good, it, we really do get soft. We get yeah. And sometimes the the hard stuff is what we really need, and uh, it helps to make us stronger. And so I think absolutely you, uh, you know, sharing the message here on on uh, Masonic Muscle, me doing it on Leadership to Wealth. We've got to be willing to stand up, be willing to let people say whatever they're going to say, because someone has to. Uh, set an example for for what it means to uh you know whether it be a man or just be leader a leader in this world yeah i think right now uh what you just said is reminded me that old saying someone has to pick up the black flag right and and it, it's wartime because that's what's yeah. happening right now it's, there's psychological war there's economic warfare there's currency wars happening all over the world yeah. And uh, we're, we're just like on a sideline wondering like, what the hell? We, so here, here we go with the podcast, like to get the word out and, yeah. and provide some leadership in that regard and say, well, rise up, yeah. rise up. And not in the, uh, you know, at least rise up and begin to break windows and loot places. No, rise up, take accountability and responsibility for the situation that this is in and what, what you have allowed to do, and then yeah. begin to take action, the proper steps to begin to correct your life. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then go uh, from there. So is there any last words you want to share with us? You shared a lot and uh, <laughs> you know, is there a strong message you want to send out? You just did right now, but something 
something yeah. concise, something that you really want to put out there. Yeah, my my message is to people right now is very clear in this sense. Somebody has to stand in the gap. Somebody has to stand up and be accountable. And um, and I I don't care about the about the attention, about the applause or any of these kind of things. I, I just look at it as somebody has to be willing to stand up and, and take that flag, as you said, mm. and go forward because it, there's so much more at stake for you and I, we have kids yeah, and, and we know someone has to be an example for, for them. And so we take that up in our own families and it, for the listeners, if, if uh, you ever wonder, if you ever need an example, uh, Caesar right here, my man, <laughs> <laughs> a great example because at the end of the day it's just someone has to stand up and be accountable and neil where can they find you where can uh, our listeners find you yeah and listen uh, to you, you and watch you and all of that oh you, well you can definitely find uh my podcast the leadership to wealth podcast on youtube on itunes all all those places um you can uh you know you can do hashtag uh, neil underscore D'Souza or hashtag Neil Mortgages. And uh, you can find tons of stuff out there, whether it be about finances, whether about fitness, family, all of these kind of things. Uh, you can find me in any of those places. You heard it, guys. Give them a call. If you need a, a quote, all right, and get you some money. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and for us, guys, this has been another very strenuous exercise in critical thinking and speculation on many different topics for today. This has been Masonic Muscle. Thank you for joining us.